0: Hello everybody and welcome to the tip of the iceberg podcast brought to you as always by inside the penguins.com an affiliate of the hockey news. I'm your host Nick Berlansky joined as always by Nick Horwa and boy, what an opening day of free agency Pittsburgh Penguins president of hockey operations Kyle Dubas has treated us to less than 24 hours since the market has opened. He has signed 11 players now a good portion of those are AHL depth signings. As he said yesterday in his press conference, we're going to rebuild the depth. We're going to rebuild the AHL a little bit. And as we did with the NHL and the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he made eight signings on the opening day of free agency. He made three more on Sunday morning signing. Redeems a Horniback, big Z coming back to the Pittsburgh Penguins goaltender, Magnus Helberg, both on one year deals. Mark Johnson signed a two year deal earlier today. And then, Keeping it with the trend of AHL players, he signed Juna, Kopanen, and Ryan Shea yesterday, adding them onto the AHL as far as depth for the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Horwat, before we get into the six main signings, anything on these five players?
1: Um, No, the, the I think it was just obvious you could see the connections for a couple of them with Kyle Dubas. We all knew he was going to have a few people follow him, uh, both on the ice and in the front office. and We're just starting to see it. That... That kind of settles in with the uh, Mark Johnstone and, ironically enough, the redeems Zahorna Horna signings, just uh, people following Kyle in. Uh, I thought the Magnus Hellberg one was really interesting considering we are now running and it seems like we're going to run the, we'll get into it, the three goalie system. And he said, with even with those three goalies, we needed another veteran for the minor leagues. And Magnus Hellberg came in a handful of hours later, so... Um, you know what? Net positive moves for the AHL considering that team has floundered the last few seasons uh, and just makes that group a little bit more entertaining, especially if redeems of Horna starts the season down there, because let's be real. That's probably the, the headline name of that group this morning,
0: yeah, especially in penguins land. I mean, people obviously yeah. have heard of Magnus Helberg. He, he's had a cup of coffee in the NHL here and there. He He's really been a name that has been prevalent at times for the NHL, not as far as national, nationwide, but for certain teams. So, yes, you understand who he is. He's kind of the Dustin Tokarski. He's the Louis Domingue. That's the type of goaltender that he is. But uh, nice to see Big Z because we all remember that last year, during training camp, Redeem Zahorno was one of the more impressive depth players for the Pittsburgh Penguins. At the end of the day, he just didn't make the roster, was placed on waivers, and taken by the Calgary Flames.
1: Yeah, it's another guy that we look at our depth and go, hey, you know what? That's another option. You know, we don't, he's pushing 27 now, I think, 26, 27, maybe 28. I forget exactly. Um, So you can't really slap him and label him as a prospect anymore. uh,
0: But you do label him as an option, which is good. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins, if anything, need options when it comes to their bottom six, considering what it looked like last year and the fact that they were basically locked into that terrible bottom six Mm -hmm. uh, last season. But with that, let's get into some of the bottom six moves made by President of Hockey Operations slash Interim General Manager Kyle Dubas, starting with Matt Nieto signing a two-year contract worth $900,000 against the NHL's salary cap. He has spent his entire 10-year career up to this point bouncing between the San Jose Sharks and the Colorado Avalanche. So the first dose of Eastern Conference hockey for Matt Nieto. What did you think of this signing?
1: Good signing. Right off the jump, I mean, it was... It was one that happened right at the crack of noon yesterday, and you know we don't know all the details that happened. With uh, the initial announcement was him going to Edmonton, and then uh, at twelve one it was take that back. Matt Nieto's going to Pittsburgh. So don't know exactly what happened there, but honestly that's a net positive for the bottom six. Um, I enjoyed the deal right away without getting into too much other detail of just uh, yeah. Cheap player, no, it's under a million dollars yeah. for two years. You can agree to that.
0: Yeah, you get a veteran for under a million dollars, especially somebody that is really going to be a Mike Sullivan-type player, right? He's got speed. He's hard on the forecheck. He's good on the cycle in the offensive zone. And, and guess what? He can play the penalty kill, too. You know, that's the thing that I think when you look at the overarching storyline from yesterday when it comes to the signings, it is Kyle Dubas making sure that he's bringing in forwards that are defensively responsible and forwards that can be utilized on the penalty kill because last year you looked at drew o'connor yes he played more penalty kill but he wasn't technically considered a penalty killing forward because he didn't get out there for as many shifts as you would expect somebody who's actually in that rotation to get out there for dan heinen not a penalty killing forward jeff carter did get out there but really is he a penalty killer or was he just out there because he could actually win faceoffs? So you look at all of these signings, all three of the bottom six signings, they're guys that are going to play on the penalty kill. Two of them can win face-offs, and all three of them bring different layers that I don't think the Pittsburgh Penguins had in their bottom six. And Nieto, Speed being part of that, he's not going to be an offensive-type guy. But I do like the signing because, like you mentioned, under a million dollars for two years, and a guy that has been there, done that, NHL veteran for over 10 seasons now – Yes, he's 30 years old, but he still has the foot speed and the stamina to, to keep up with the younger NHL. So I like Matt Nieto. I like that addition. It's not going to move the needle a whole lot. When I saw it, I was like, okay, there's a piece and that's all he is. He's a piece. But uh, I, I do think that it's a piece that overall helps the Penguins defensively from the forward side. And that's something that they needed. Let's move over and talk about somebody who I would expect to be his line mate. Uh, And that's Nolachari signing for three years at $2 million. Horwat, what did you think of the Nolachari signing?
1: I feel like this one was just kind of
0: expected. Again,
1: it was one of those group of guys that might follow Kyle Dubas to Pittsburgh. Nolachari was never the headline of that list. I mean, that headline of the list was probably Jason Spezza, and we handled that one. Uh, But right along with Jason Spezza and maybe a couple other names was uh, Nolachari. Always just following right along. Uh, and so it was almost expected. I think the the, the price is a little steep, but, you know, it's... I think it'll work out just fine. He's going to come in, fill the role he's meant to play, which is bang and crash in the bottom six, and for just a handful of seasons, fine. It'll be okay. It's a net positive again. I think all these moves were at least net positives over what we had last year. I mean... Yeah. On, yeah. Yeah, they are, definitely are. I mean... anything we said it last year anything could be better than Brock McGinn going how many games without a point so (laughs) yeah Nolachari's is a step in
0: the right direction even if it is for three years at two million for those who wanted physicality on this Penguins roster you're getting it in Mm Nolachari. he loves to body check so if if you watch the games and you're like man the Penguins they're just they're not physical they're not tough Nolichari is going to change that on the bottom line. He is a guy that loves to go out there, loves to lay the body, and while, yes, I wouldn't consider him a goal scorer, he is going to be the fourth-line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins, he had 14 goals last season. Now, is that going to persist this season? No, I, I wouldn't expect him to, but the one thing that Jesse Marshall just put out there earlier today is when he's in the offensive zone, he's going to he's just going to get the puck on net. Like, that's, that's what he's going to do. He's not going to be pretty with it. He's going to get the puck on net. He's going to get it on the four-check. He's going to lay the body, and for the Pittsburgh Penguins, For $2 million, fine. That's good. Can he score goals? I mean, he had 14 last season. We saw how important he was offensively still with the 2019 Boston Bruins that went to the Stanley Cup final. No, he's not a guy that's going to move up in the lineup and be your peak third-line center. They got somebody else for that role. Mm -hmm. But Nolichari is a guy that, yeah, he's going to help out in scoring a little bit more than you'd see from a Teddy Bluger. I don't think you're ever going to see Nolichari go out there and put up Two goals in a season, right? That's what Teddy Luger was on pace to do. Ryan Paling put up, I think, seven. And even at times, it didn't seem like he was even going to get to there. So Nolichari does bring more offensive upside in that role at fourth line center. But what he brings that the other guys didn't is physicality he's going to be a physical monster on the fourth line. And I love that for the Pittsburgh Penguins because it's something they really haven't had much of. So another dimension, like we talked about with Riley Smith, another dimension to the Pittsburgh Penguins that makes them a little bit of a less vanilla team to play. So I I like the Nolichari addition as well. Um, Let's move over to the other bottom six guy in Lars Eller. Just keep it moving right along here. We will obviously plenty of summer left Mm -hmm. we are obviously going to get deeper into each of these signings but this is just going to be an overarching thoughts and feelings on the several I mean if there was only one or two we'd get much deeper into it (laughs) but he made 11 signings in in 24 hours so we're we're trying to hit all of them here uh, and let you guys enjoy the rest of your uh, holiday weekend as we continue to wait for more signings from Kyle Dubas but Lars Eller signs a two-year contract, $2.45 million, the most money of the three forwards that was signed, made his name as a key member of the 2010s Washington Capitals, was as friend of the show. Uh, Hockey Troll has called him the linchpin to the 2018 Stanley Cup Championship in Washington, D.C. So Horwat, thoughts on the Lars Eller addition, which was apparently really really key to the plan according to Kyle Dubas. That's interesting that the
1: Lars Eller deal was the one that is key to the plan cuz this is the one that I did not like. Mm. Uh it ju- cuz it first of all the timing of it was weird. You had just gotten off of making the announcement of three people. One of them was a big name that we will still get to and two others in Nolachari, and another pretty big name in Ryan Graves which again we'll get to. Uh just we're just kind of coasting. We're waiting. You just made these three huge announcements in the matter of a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. We're all waiting for Kyle Dubas to come out and do his presser and discuss those three deals along with the other ones earlier in the day. And then they went, hold on. Our delay is because Lars Eller is getting signed. Uh, The timing I didn't like. uh, We're a team that needs to focus on getting younger. 34 years old doesn't help. Um, And I don't like the idea of him being the third line center. He just doesn't strike me as that if that's where he's slotting in. I would think so. Uh, Exactly, because who's your other option right now? Mikhail Grantland. These just aren't names that strike me as third-line center, especially considering guys like Matt Duchesne were out there for just an extra million dollars. I know you don't like Matt Duchesne for this option, but he was available. personally, no, but... Yeah, but that's a guy that would have given you that immediate offensive jump. Um, other names are not going to come to me now just because I decided to start thinking about it, but <laughs> there were other guys out there that could have filled that role much better for not much more money. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I get Matt Jane's also closer to 34, but large has got a hard mileage 34. It feels like, doesn't mm. it?
0: Yeah, he's certainly gotten the 34 the hard way, right? He, yeah. he doesn't play a, a gentle style of game because nobody did in Washington in those two t- 2010s teams. But when I look at Eller, I was not 100% sold on him being the key piece to the yeah. plan yesterday. I don't hate it. Could I see it working out? Yes, because I really do think that, again, his style of play matches what Mike Sullivan wants to wants to do, mm-hmm. right? He has some foot speed. Yes, he's 34. He, he certainly has slowed down, but he still plays a quicker game than we've seen from Jeff Carter, which was the preliminary third-line center last season. And he does have offensive upside while also being defensively responsible. And I, I really like that key because everybody was talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins needing to add scoring. There was no scoring in the bottom six. The problem wasn't only that there wasn't scoring. It was that they were just bad. They couldn't defend either. They would get hemmed into their own zone. They wouldn't know what to do. They were not defensively responsible. The Penguins are fixing... It's easier to fix defensively responsible players because they're not as expensive than bring in a bunch of scorers because they are more expensive. Because let's be honest, on free agency day, the money goes to the goals. The money goes to the points. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, to fix an entire bottom six, would it be easier to find a bunch of guys that can score a bunch of points or realize that hey our top six can still score a lot of points our defense especially if they pull off a trade that they've been rumored to be involved in Mm -hmm. they're going to be able to score points with the top level of their defense
1: might not be able to play a ton of defense but yes
0: they can score your bottom six is needed to at the very least be able to play defensively responsible and potentially add in goals here or there last year it was neither so by that aspect, I get it. The other thing I will say, um, other names, by the way, Morgan Geeky is the name that a lot of people wanted. Yeah. Daniel Sprong, I know you had brought eh. up as your baby. Uh, not not defensively responsible, but has a high offensive upside and probably wouldn't have never been used correctly by Mike Sullivan anyway. Yet again. Um, be- before I get into this quick uh, quick reasoning for me, and then we'll move over to the, the defense and the goaltenders that were signed yesterday. Would you have rather had Evan Rodriguez, who just signed in Florida for three million dollars, over Lars Eller at two point four five? See, I don't know. I, you, I know that I know that teeters on. You didn't want familiar faces coming back. Yeah. But if take out the fact that he had already been to the Pittsburgh Penguins, seeing what he did with Colorado last season versus what Lars Eller did with Colorado last season, would you have rather paid three million dollars for Evan Rodriguez or two point four five for Lars Eller?
1: uh probably the three for rodriguez just okay that there's a little bit of a youth there there's the speed and you know honestly even with that familiarity in there it's, it was a one-year deal that he uh, rodriguez got right i you know, he just signed it and all the details that. are hard to find because twitter decided or because elon musk decided to ruin twitter on one of the most active twitter days of the year for all of us mm-hmm. um four-year contract oh
0: Four year, three million. Yeah, I wouldn't have I'm gone seeing four seeing years though. <laughs> I didn't realize it was four so, years exactly, and that plays a, a that plays mm-hmm. a role into the actual three million dollars. So, would you have rather paid four years, three million, or two years, two point four five? That's there you go. Uh, it, that that evens the playing field a little bit, does it not?
1: It does, and it's def- a is definitely a deal that I could see myself getting behind relatively quickly, though. I just off the jump, it was an immediate gut reaction hey. of no, and that's what we're here to do.
0: Yes. Uh, So the other thing that I'm going to say, and this is because I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, well, Matt Duchesne is the main reason I'm saying this went for $3 million for one year. Like you couldn't have paid that Matt Duchesne might not have wanted to come to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, that's like, let's not, let's not look at the Pittsburgh Penguins as this Stanley cup perennial contender, where if people want to win a cup, they come to Pittsburgh. That's not Pittsburgh anymore. That was Pittsburgh five years ago. The Penguins are in a weird middle ground right now. And yes, I'm I'm obviously referring to the fact that you have aging stars where the window is on the back end. And a lot of these guys, if they want to take less money to go to a contender, there's a lot of other options out there. But the Penguins are also in a position where they don't have a bunch of cap space. So if you're a player right now, especially a bottom six forward, which is why I'm bringing it up now, Mm -hmm. you're a bottom six forward. You could want one of a couple things. You want to cash out. Penguins don't have the cap space to cash out on that position because they needed to spend it on goaltending and defense. So if you want to cash out, Pittsburgh's not an option. If you want to win a Stanley Cup, I just mentioned it. There are other options out there that are probably more likely to be a Stanley Cup contender. They're a safer bet than coming to the Pittsburgh Penguins who just missed the playoffs for the first time since 2007. Mm -hmm. And the last reasoning, if you're a bottom six forward to sign somewhere, is because you believe that you're going to get the playing time, a la Jason Zucker, to go out there and make more money on your next contract. You're going to get the opportunity. Are you going to get that in Pittsburgh? No. The majority of the ice time is going to go to that top six, is going to go to the Crosby line, is going to go to the Malkin line. So if you're a, a guy that has no hope of being a top six guy, you're a bottom six solo guy, like a Lars Eller, like a Nolichari, like a Matt Nieto, you're coming here because you know you're going to be a fourth liner. You're not going to take a lot of money because they don't have a lot of money to give to the bottom six. And if you want a Stanley Cup, a lot of these guys, Lars Eller has won a Stanley Cup. Nola Chari has been to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, Matt Nieto, not really. But, you know, hes he was on a lot of those Sharks teams that were going decently far. He was on those Colorado Avalanche teams that were pretty good, pretty contending type teams. But you look at Matt Duchesne, he didn't want money, but he wanted to contend. Where did he end up signing? Dallas. And he likes country music. Yes. Dallas has a better country music destination than Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, Dallas. He went from Dallas Nashville. was a
0: team in the Western Conference Final this year. Yeah. So there's a reason he took three million for one year. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. He wants to win. Dallas is a better option than Pittsburgh. So think about that when you look at these other teams and these other signings that are like, well, why couldn't the Penguins do that? Because it's a different situation, mm-hmm. and teams and players. Don't want to come to pittsburgh as their first option anymore you have to have one of those things to give them and some of these players there's just nothing for the penguins to give them that they actually want exactly and you mentioned the so
1: the point the point of he wanted to go to nashville right away that was where he always wanted to play dream destination for him outside of colorado when they saw how that went outside of that he wanted to play for nashville he loves playing guitar himself he loves the country music scene and he signed his deal in nashville What's the second best option in in out of the out of NHL teams for that? Dallas probably. <laughs> it would fit.
0: It, yeah, there's there's no team in Memphis, so yeah, it,
1: it at least fits in with the southern country style of living. So, uh, it's it's a good fit for him too. Anyway, plus yeah, you're gonna play in front of Jake Odinger. You don't need to play defense. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, it, that's a good yeah. destination for them. They're definitely at least at this point much closer to a Stanley Cup than the Penguins are.
0: Yeah, so let's move over. I'm actually going to, you know what, let's throw it to a quick break because that's how I'm going to know and I need a breath here. And then we'll talk about the defense of the goaltenders right after this. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins, an affiliate ...of the hockey news. Now, I know that we kind of rambled on a little bit longer there, but let's continue to talk about these free agents. Uh, a lot to say. We have a lot of summer left to say it, so uh, we will get into Ryan Graves now. Signed six years, the most years, the most term given out by Kyle Dubas. $4.5 million. Horwat. That's not a name I expected to see yesterday. I said this was a swing for the fences type of target for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Well, Kyle Dubas went out. He signed him. It didn't cost an arm and a leg. It just cost a lot of term.
1: Yeah, and that's that's okay, I think. It's you're right. It didn't cost an arm and a leg. It was a swing for the fences. It, it was a player that had just kind of spotted up and down as being a target for the Penguins just because he is such an interesting force. He's not necessarily a full-time offensive defenseman. He's also not necessarily a defensive defenseman. He's just a mobile oh, no. two-way
0: Guy that can he's do it a, both. Oh, I don't, I don't, personally, my scouting report, this guy is a shutdown defenseman. Okay. He's not, you know, he has a big shot from the point on the offensive side. He's not really going to bring a lot of offense to the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think, from the blue line. But he's 6'5", 220. He found success in both Colorado and New Jersey mm-hmm. rather immediately, right? He led the NHL in plus minus for whatever that's worth a couple seasons ago with Colorado. But, this guy is, to me, he's a defensive... He is your Brian Dumlin of multiple years ago. Yeah. He is your 2016 Brian Dumlin that you are bringing in at 28 years old. Yes, six years is a long time. There's no clauses on that deal, and it's $4.5 million. With the salary cap set to rise as the years go on, 4.5 is going to look like a better and better number as this contract goes on. And with no clauses, if he's bad at the age of 33 years old, $4.5 million in 2028... It's going to be a lot easier to get off the books, especially when there's no clause. So I really, really like the Ryan Graves deal. I know a lot of people are saying I overestimate how good he is in his own zone, but this is, to me, the best shutdown defenseman or one of the best shutdown defensemen that were on the market this summer and the Pittsburgh Penguins needed to get better on the blue line Mm -hmm. very badly. This is a great way to do so. Uh, You know, I would have loved Jacob Chikrin last year. This is not a Jacob Chikrin because he can't do it all but he certainly does the defensive part extremely well. So I love this deal for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Is it a bit long? Yes. But the contingencies of no clauses mm-hmm. and the fact that you were able to get it down to $4.5 million, that is great in my eyes for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Oh, yeah. I like the deal a lot. I'm totally with it. Like you said, no clauses. It's cheap enough. And
1: is it is it long? Yeah, we all know it's long. But it seems like a deal that should be worth it. It's not like he's... You know, super injury prone or going to just sewer the Penguins defensively or even offensively. It's going to be a deal that um, completely works out. I don't see how it doesn't uh, at least make it fo- four years in without us being oh like, God. yeah, oh, well, what do we do? It's it should work out just fine. It's a good deal. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it he was a tar- he was one of the top targets.
0: Yeah. And here's my thing. He's 28. Mm -hmm. It's not like they signed a six-year deal for one of these 34-year-olds that they're signing. They signed a six-year deal for a 28-year-old in his prime defensive defenseman that has not suffered any major, major injuries, knock on wood, yet in his career. So I, I understand people are like, well, look at Brian Dillman. He's only 31, and he is basically out the pasture with the Seattle Kraken. But Ryan Graves has also not dealt with, at this moment, the injuries that Brian Dumoulin dealt with by the time he got to 31. So if Graves stays healthy, which is a a caveat for every player on every team that got signed yesterday, if they stay healthy, that changes what this deal looks like. And we'll get to that with one of the players the Penguins signed later. But, uh, you know, if he's able to stay healthy for that six years, I see no reason why Ryan Graves, the style of play that he has, can't be a great player and live up to that contract. For all six years. I think this is good. The Penguins needed a top-pairing defenseman. They went out and got a top-pairing defenseman, and they got him for under $5 million. Mm -hmm. I have no complaints about this deal. Really, no complaints. None at all. None at all. Now people had some complaints about the goaltenders. Let's start with Alex Nadelkovich though. Let's start with that one. You know, let's save the best for last. Let's start with Alex Nadelkovich, who you kept saying, please stay, please keep him away. Please keep him away. Please keep him away. After they actually went out and did the thing, they signed Alex Nadelkovich one year, $1. $1.5 million. Nick Horwat, I ask you, are you mad that they didn't keep him away?
1: You know what? No, because he's playing in, like, a different role. He, he, he had his outstanding rookie season with With the Carolina Hurricanes, yes. I took my victory laps whenever I said it's probably smart for them to not re-sign him and just let him walk. And then we saw what happened. He ended up taking stints in the AHL this past season. I don't know exactly how they plan on using him. As of right now, it seems like Kyle Dubas wants to deploy this three-goalie system with the starter, Casey DeSmith, and now Alex Nedeljkovic. As to where they fall in the order will be interesting to see. I'm not mad at a one-year deal, especially if he is, especially if Nedeljkovic is playing the third line role in this situation, if you will, or third string. I, but there's also the possibility that Casey Dismiss is going to get shipped out. There's still like a bunch of moving pieces. As long as Nedeljkovic is not our full-time starter here, I'm not mad at it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the caveat here. He has a chance. Plus it's a one-year deal. It, you could look at this as a show-me deal. Oh, yeah. Dude, this dude clearly proved he can cut it in the NHL. He was on the all-rookie team. He could have been one of the better goalies in the league had Detroit not happened. He's got a chance to revamp his entire career here. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at this. Let's say he takes this as a show-me deal and pops off. That's... That's beneficial for us in this one season, beneficial for him in the future. Maybe they decide to keep him after that one season. Who knows where this whole future thing goes? One-year deals are – you could I—you could sign a ton of people for one-year deals and just go, okay, just because it's one year, let's roll with it. So let's roll with this. I'm not mad at how bad he was the last few seasons. He might start the year in the AHL for all we know.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to big brain the Penguins goaltending situation when we talk about the starter that they signed mm-hmm. coming up. But when I look at Alex Nadelkovich, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, he was an old rookie, 25 mm-hmm. years old, and when he was in Carolina, but he went 15 5 3 with a 9.32 save percentage and a 1.90 goals above average or goals against average, which is great. It was a great season for him. He also played on a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. So, okay, you say whatever. They don't want to re-sign him because he's asking for a lot of money because he's trying to cash in at the age of 25 already and only having a small sample size. They say no. Detroit says yes. They probably overpaid him, right? They overpaid him, put him in a bad spot. And Horwath, there's three sides to every story. Mm -hmm. There's my side, your side, and the truth. Mm -hmm. I think his actual ceiling is somewhere in the middle there. He's not the guy that had a 930 save percentage. He's probably never going to be that guy. He's also probably not the guy that we saw in Detroit, get sent to the AHL on multiple occasions, Yeah, right? Yeah. It's probably somewhere in the middle. And at one year, $1.5 million. And guess what? If it doesn't work, I don't like having Casey DeSmith and Tristan Jari as the true one-two. But having another option there, say Tristan Jari goes down, which is the apocalyptic end of the season that it would have been last year, probably again this year. If you have Nedeljkovic, you at least have another option if Casey DeSmith isn't up for it. Because Casey Smith, again, has shown at points he's up for the challenge of being the guy. But he can't be the number one with a backup. At the very best, he might be a decent 1A that needs a decent 1B. That's what Alex Nedeljkovic would be. So as a contingency plan, is it the best way possible for the Penguins to have a contingency plan? No. Is it more of a plan than anybody's had over the past couple of seasons? Yeah, it is. So again, it's a show-me-deal. And it's a better contingency plan than just, hey, Tristan Jari got injured, Casey DeSmith's the guy, and uh, Dustin Tokarski or Louis Domingue will have to play if Casey DeSmith is literally needed to be in, on an IV just to just to stand upright. <clears throat> like, that's that that was the contingency plan under Ron Hextall. It's, hey, if Casey DeSmith can't go, like, physically cannot go, then we'll use our at-the-time backup. Mm-hmm. That was awful. At least now you have Nedeljkovic, who could be a half-decent contingency plan. But... That's all based on whether or not the starting goaltender can't do his job, and that is Tristan Jari. Five years, $5.37 million. Horwat, I will say the term is scary, but I think people are way too reactive on last season personally. But what are your thoughts on this?
1: It was, let's just say, the idea of signing the injury-prone Tristan Jari to a five-year deal. Let's keep the money out of it for just a split second here. That's weird PR, is it not? Hey, we've seen this guy year in and year out be injured. He's injured at this time of year. He's injured at that time of year. Here come the playoffs, and Tristan Jari's not available. All right, how about this new season? He looks good, goes on that cool winning streak, and can't do it for the rest of the year because of a nagging injury. So we're going to sign him long-term. Oh, are you? Okay. Uh, It doesn't help that it's very we're doubling down on the goalie that couldn't get it done uh that sounds very Ron Hextall of you does it not it's weird I think it can totally work out if Tristan Jari can stay healthy because Tristan Jari is proven like Alex Dokovich, is proven to be one of the best goaltenders in this league it is a matter of getting healthy staying healthy and remaining consistent mm-hmm. uh For however many games you may have to play with this three-goalie system. For Mm -hmm. whatever may happen with your defense in front of you. I don't know if Tristan Jari can cut it as a possible Vezna candidate anymore, like we thought he could last year. But, I mean, five years just seems lengthy. Does it not? The term, fine, whatever. What was he making before? I don't even remember now.
0: Three something? Three point five, I think. He was gonna make so, this much
1: money anyway. So the, just that term. I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. Especially considering like the, it. I mean, here's the other thing too, just with how quickly the other free agent goalie options were just flew off the shelves. The way Corpusala was scooped up by Ottawa, the way Anderson decided to go back to Carolina and I think I'm missing another but it doesn't matter
0: quick gone uh also Cam Talbot was gone quickly they were all just gone the way the
1: goalie options flew off the shelves in the first couple of hours just kind of let it it settled in of well it's either we re-signed Tristan Jari and no one likes it or we trade for someone and that's going to be hard to do considering we have our foot in the water for a different
0: massive trade so here comes Tristan Jari again Not only that, but if you didn't sign him, say Tristan Jari signs somewhere else and you don't have a goaltender after the the initial rush of free agency and all of a sudden you're sitting there and let's say they also still sign Alex Nedeljkovic. You're like, okay, we have Nedeljkovic and DeSmith. Other teams aren't stupid. They see that and they are like, huh, nobody else is on the free agent market. You want this goaltender? You want Connor Hellebuck? You want UC Soros? What else are you adding to what you already would have paid in this trade before. yeah, You're going to get fleeced for a goaltender. You're going to 100% overpay in the trade market for a goaltender if you don't make that deal. Now, is that the deal to make? Again, I saw that and I said, really? Like, <laughs> really? that's what we're doing. But the absolute just anguish of everybody yesterday for that deal, I was like, listen, but, at the, at, you know, I wouldn't have given him this contract personally. But let's not act like... He's not a good goaltender when he's healthy. I understand the injuries are a concern, but something you mentioned there oh, he's injury prone. He's been injured so many different times, playoffs, this play. He was injured for one playoff series.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. One playoff series.
0: (laughs) He had two injuries. Two. One of them was a freak injury. Mm -hmm. Big, big bodied Anders Lee barrels into him, and his foot breaks. Is that injury-prone? And for anybody that wants to say that it is, oh, he's injury-prone. The guy fell on him and he broke his leg. Anders Lee is a big human being. Mm-hmm. So if you want to make that argument, I'll send you a location. I'm going to swing a baseball bat at your foot. If your foot breaks, you're injury-prone. You're injury-prone. That's, that's not even equal in force. I'm sure me swinging a baseball bat is not even as bad as a big Anders Lee at full speed running into your foot. And then the hip injury, yes. It sucks. It was a chronic hip injury. It affected him all season long. But if they're comfortable enough to give him five years, his physicals have to look good. A little bit of faith in the people whose job it is to actually do this. Mm -hmm. If he's healthy, he has top 10 goaltender ability. He's shown that. And Kyle Dubas literally said that yesterday. He said, we're judging this on his overall body of work. He is a two-time All-Star in the last three seasons. He had some ridiculous numbers last season at the beginning of the year before the hip injury actually started to bother him. So if he can come back and rehab that this summer, and that's a thing of the past, five years at $5.37 million might end up being a bargain. And the other big brain, this might be tinfoil hat conspiracy, the other goaltenders they signed, Helberg, the Smith's remaining contract, Nedeljkovic, are on one-year deals. You know what name Kyle Dubas brought up yesterday when talking about the goaltenders?
1: He oh. brought up Joel Blomkvist, yeah, and did. he said,
0: you know what? He's not ready right now. Even if he's not ready next year. Okay, he's not ready next year. We'll sign another backup. And then if he's ready the year after that, all of a sudden you have 1A, 1B, Tristan Jari, uh, and Joel Blomkvist, and guess what Joel Blomkvist's contract is? Wait. It's a rookie deal. Yeah. And guess when Joel Blomqvist's contract will be up? Probably at the end of Tristan Jari's deal. Okay, that money we were paying Jari. Here's Joel Blomqvist. And there you go. That is best case scenario how it works out for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Jari stays healthy, is good for the next five years, and then Blomqvist is ready to take the reins and gets his contract. And they're 1A, 1B, like like you saw from Marc-Andre Fleury and Philip Gustafson this year in Minnesota. It's exactly the best case scenario. That's Tim Foyle hat. That's personal, just big braining it on my part. That's another thing that I'm looking at that says, listen, one, the contract is what it is. They might be playing it out to say, hey, we think that this Joel Blomqvist guy has a shot at being a real good goaltender. Five years gets us right to where we'd have to pay him. And in the back half of this Tristan Jari deal, we could have Blomqvist and Jari as a 1A, 1B, and that would be great. Even if Blomqvist takes over as the 1A and Jari's just a 1B. That money you can swallow when Blomkis is still on a rookie deal. And secondly, they like what he's done overall. I agree. I think he's done more good than bad in the NHL. Yes, he he hasn't performed in the playoffs. He really hasn't been given an opportunity, right? He's had one series. Mm -hmm. And lastly, if they're giving him five years, there has to be a level of faith that his physicals look good. Yep. So that's where I'm standing again. Do I think it was an overpay? Do I think it was a little long? Yes, I think it was a little bit of both. But I'm not going to come out here and say, oh my God, the Penguins are going to suck. They have the worst goaltender in the league because that is just a farsity. That is a falsity. And that is just somebody that is salty that he didn't perform last season. So that's that's my view on it. I, I just I hate the people that are crying injury-prone as the only reason why he doesn't deserve that contract and forgetting the fact and saying that he sucks and forgetting the fact that he has been a very good goaltender when he's been healthy. Mm -hmm. I understand that he's been injured the last year, but so was Jason Zucker for two years. And then he was great last season. So I rest the case, the defense rests. I know I went off a little bit. No,
1: you're, you're good. It's exactly what you should have done. It's good to get that. Those sorts of thoughts out because everything you said is correct
0: um, I'd say it on Twitter, but I, you know, uh, you can't. no one, no one will see it. Uh, <laughs> nobody's gonna see it. Not that anybody watches our show anyway. But nobody's gonna see it on Twitter.
1: That being said, and he was gonna get this deal regardless, whether it was here or someone else. Someone was going to oh, yeah. give him that five, those five years, give him that five million dollars, just because he has proven he has he has this pedigree of being a good goaltender. I mean, it's a deal that on the ju- off the jump right? Oh, it's frightening at first. You're, you're, because you're expecting all these changes. You want to be in on this goal. You want to be in on this goal. You want to see what kind of changes can happen with a new president hockey operations, a new man upstairs for the Penguins. You're thinking, okay, what about all these other new options? Let's just keep the change coming. That's what I've been wanting to see. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much you, maybe not so much everyone else, but I want to see just what kind of adjustments can this new front office bring to everything below them. You know, we should have been – maybe should have been on, been in on a, You know, uh Pittsburgh native, his name has escaped me. How is it escaping me? All the time. John Gibson? John Gibson, thank you. I knew it was a simple
0: name. Couldn't I come can't believe me. you forgot it. John that's Gibson. Like, that's the name that you're always like, people are going to talk about John Gibson, and it just it, – it, it drives me nuts. They're going to talk about John Gibson. Why am I getting a call from somebody
1: right now? Can't. i <laughs> a call from my neighbor. Incredible. Um, It's – It's just it. That's people were expecting the Penguins to be in on all these things, and then when you just see the quick headline, your first initial gut reaction is, "Oh, that's not good." This deal can work out if if Jari can remain healthy. I don't see if he can remain healthy. This is a phenomenal, outstanding deal. Yeah. There's that, but just off the jump, everyone's gut reaction is going to be wrong idea.
0: Yeah. So. That's fair. I'm just, I'm playing the other side. I've seen so much negative about it, and I honestly, I'm probably somewhere closer to the middle, but you know, I'm taking the, I'm taking the positive side on that one. And you should, uh, it's but,
1: good that somebody is, and I'm trying to see the <laughs> positives of it. I just yeah, need to see I know, him hit
0: the ice first. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I know I like stand on a soapbox from time to time and try to preach my opinions, but that's, you know, that's what we're here for. You know, we both, we both do that from time to time. And I want to let you preach here a little bit in your opinion. 11 signings in the past 24 hours. Best move made by Kyle Dubas on the free agency day. The Ryan Graves move. Mm -hmm. The Ryan Graves
1: deal. And you want to know why? Because it might open up a
0: ton of options for what we still have to get into. Yes. Yes. I I also really like the Ryan Graves deal. I honestly think it's Lars Eller. Oh. it's, It's based partially in the fact that, listen... He's an actual third line center who's yes, is 34 years old, but he hasn't dealt with, you know, major altering back surgeries like the last third line center that the Penguins brought in. And he's not expected to be like, "Hey, we thought he was going to end his career 2 years ago." Right? When Jeff Carter came to the Penguins, it was, "Oh, is he even going to play next season? It's probably just a rental, then he retires and yada yada." 3 years later, Jeff Carter is still trying to play ice hockey and still looks like a player that has fallen off a cliff and You know, let's not forget he had major reconstructive back surgery a couple years prior to coming to the Pittsburgh Penguins.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: Lars Eller hasn't done that. Yeah. So, I like Lars Eller. I honestly, for some reason, it just feels like Lars Eller is going to be a good third-line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins, a la a Nick Bonino when he first came to the Penguins back in 2015. It's it's a feeling, and for the price that the Penguins got him at, yes, $2.45 million for two years. I just, I feel like that turns out to be a good deal for some reason. Okay. Ryan Graves is my favorite player that the Penguins acquired. Clearly, I've talked about Ryan Graves since the second that I was like, oh my God, he's going to be a free agent. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the best free agent. The Penguins need a a top left-hand defenseman. That's perfect. I really wanted Ryan Graves, and I'm happy the Penguins got him, and he would probably be my 1B, but for some reason, very optimistic about Lars Eller. I don't know why. Totally fair. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. The last thing that we'll talk about very quickly, because I did not expect this to be a full-length episode. Uh, the Penguins apparently were in on Eric Carlson yesterday. We're in serious on Eric Carlson yesterday. A lot of chatter going on on Twitter from what I can see from my 600 tweets. Uh, it would have definitely required a third team and some retained salary, as everybody obviously knows. Uh, the rumor that was that Jeff Petrie could be one of the names going back, so it would be a basically a swap in position. Petrie out. Carlson in obviously you would imagine a first round pick has to be involved in that you would imagine there would be other pieces involved in that trade but it would be Eric Carlson to the Pittsburgh Penguins at the end of the day with retained salary yes first and foremost does that interest you Horwat, at all
1: it's interesting it's thoroughly interesting I know I have bad mouth Eric Carlson in the past many many times mm-hmm. this could just be karma coming back to me uh The guy did, however, bounce back in a huge way, and not only bounce back, he exceeded uh, his previous highs to deservedly, I will say, win the Norris Trophy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't totally hate the idea. Uh, Also, if you want some updates for as of, well, it's almost almost afternoon, as of this afternoon, uh, we still don't know where the Jeff Petrie thing stands apparently, if the Penguins are still in on this deal, which they look to be, Marcus Pedersen might be the name going the other way. and that's Oh, I don't like that. I don't like it either, but we did just sign Ryan Graves.
0: And we have to relieve that log jam somehow. You, if, yeah, yeah, in my opinion, if it's not Jeff Petrie going the other way, or no, if it's not Jeff Petrie going the other way, I don't want it. Uh, and then maybe that's also part of it because that yeah. would have to be the position swap.
1: I'm just kind of reading what Dave Pagnota got here on oh, uh, you're good. Da, 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 the fourth period and just kind of lining up. Like if, if it is Patterson that goes the other way, maybe Petrie is part of the deal for a third team because there, a third team has to be involved here, I would assume. Who knows where yeah. p- people go that lists things. Next thing you know, your left side lines up was, lines up as you have Ryan Graves, you have Joseph and Ty Smith. Put those two wherever you wish. Still down in the depths, you have Mark Friedman's down there, uh, and you have
0: Ruiel somewhere. And somewhere. And you have th- you have Yan Ruta as well, still under contract.
1: Both on the right side, because now your right side is like Crystal Tang, Eric Carlson. Which first of all is anybody playing defense here? <laughs> Thirdly, and then you have you you could throw in Jan Ruda if you want to. You can toss in Chad Ruiel. Maybe Jan Ruta is part of this deal too. I'm just kind of. We're all just spitballing here and saying how it can work out. Even if Pedersen goes the other direction, it's because here's the thing. If Pet, if Petrie also isn't getting shipped out somewhere in this deal, you're right. I don't want it either. Just because that's a lot of money to lock yeah. up on your right
0: side. Whenever your highest paid yeah, defenseman, you're going to have a third pairing guy. Honestly. And it, it would literally be six plus million dollars for Latang, eight plus million dollars likely for, for Eric Carlson. That's if, is retained. It's $8 million still. And then it would be 6.25 for Jeff Petrie on the third pairing. Like, that would be ridiculous. And on the left side, the only thing I don't like about it being Pedersen is... Yes, P.O. Joseph was was pretty good in his first full season as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins at the NHL level. Yes, I think he'll be better. But between P.O.J. and Ty Smith, neither of, like you can combine them and they don't get the defensive ability of, of Marcus Pedersen. So getting Graves was nice. But like you mentioned, who on that right side is playing defense? And if you take away Pedersen, the only defensive defenseman is Ryan Graves. And listen, why did I like these bottom six signings for the forward side? They'll play better defense. Let's not cancel it out by making the the defense core just forwards on on the blue line. Like, let's not do that. So if it is Petrie for Carlson, yes, you're giving up some defensive ability there. But at least you can have two defensive freaking pillars on the left side in Ryan Graves and then Marcus Pedersen. And then you can do Ty Smith, Jan Ruda, Chad Ruedel, POJ, whoever, who the frick ever on that third pairing but at least you have those two defensive pillars on the left side.
1: Yeah. If, if, if it is also any other consolation, if I'm, I lost the quote, I would have to also go back and listen to it and watch it again. I think Dubas mentioned how important Jeff Petrie is going to be to the team next season. So scary thoughts, but
0: he said that about Mikael Granlin too. Oh, that's uh, fair. <laughs> so yeah, it's lying season. It was lying season. Uh, it, it is lying season. I mean, the only thing you could probably take for face value is the fact that he said, "Oh yeah, Lars is going to be key." He would have. He said that because he just signed the player. So I'm assuming, and he's the he's the the forward that's probably going to play the most prominent role of the three that he signed. Yeah, not more than Riley Smith, who we traded for. But like, yeah, he was prominent to our plans today. We wanted somebody that could actually play third line center because we didn't have that last year. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Jeff Carter was not a third-line center. Teddy Bluger, when he had the opportunity, was not a third-line center. Ryan Paling was not a third-line center. Shoot, Ryan Paling wasn't even good enough to get a qualifying offer from the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. Yikes. They didn't have a third-line center last year. Lars Zeller, at very least, is a league-average third-line center. Oh, yeah, I hope so. so. that was the truth. But the Grandland, and if one of Grandland or Petrie isn't gone, I will be shocked. Now, Carter's a different story, honestly. Carter is probably going to be, if they can make it happen, a healthy scratch for as many games as humanly possible. If not, he's probably just absolutely chain-strapped to that right-wing side where Josh Archibald was on the fourth line last year. You know those right fielders in Little League? Exactly my (laughs) thought. No, it was the right center right center field because he had four outfielders in the outfield in Little League. And that is like very Little League. That is like under 10. Yeah,
1: that's that's pre-Little League. It's, but nah, it's, it, that's you, T-ball. Yeah. That's what that is. Yeah, it's, Do you remember the right fielders in Little League? That's kind of how we're treating Jeff Carter right now. He has to be here. We don't really have much of a choice. Not even coach's son levels, though. Like, we know Mike Sullivan.
0: I mean, it was with, with Ron Hextall. Exactly. So.
1: <laughs> but... It's at this point it's uh his he has to be here uh he, here he is he he's got a lot of money you know he's got some championship pedigree he's got and a veteran honestly, presence the guys like him but so anyway yeah enough calling the oldest man on the roster a child
0: yeah <laughs> fair enough uh but that's gonna do it for this bonus episode of the tip of the iceberg that went much longer than we expected to but hey uh we haven't talked since thursday and when all the moves that have happened have happened in the in that 72 hours it's gonna take some time but that's it for this one we'll see you guys this week with more reaction to all the crazy stuff that's going down